because they have a misunderstanding of what it is. Mm-hmm. It is biblically based. It is relevant, and it is essential for truth um, dissemination. I guess maybe is too big of a word. It just helps everybody stand firm and like you said at the beginning reduces the frustration from not knowing why you believe what you believe and not being able to answer mm-hmm. in this culture that is saying that you're crazy for believing that or you're not <laughs> smart for believing that no no quite yeah. the opposite yes and we're commanded to we're commanded to engage to reason to contend That all encompasses apologetics. So, yes. Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, yes, you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hey, and welcome back. Today is part two of my conversation with my guest co-host, Sarah Broyhill Anderson, on the topic of apologetics. If you haven't listened to part one, I'd strongly encourage you to go back and listen to part one, titled Unapologetically Apologetic. As Sarah and I discuss exactly what apologetics is and what it isn't um, in part one, and a lot of the myths and misconceptions that revolve around apologetics. What we really want to um, share with you, our listener, is the value of apologetics and and some of the reasons why people, and maybe you're one, maybe that this includes you, but why people shy away from it or think it's something that's above and beyond them as Christians, or maybe not even necessary, but but it is necessary. And it's something that a lot of the churches just don't seem to be teaching. And and that's equipping people to know not just what they believe, but why they believe what they believe and to be able to articulate what um, they believe, to be able to articulate God's truth against all the cleverly crafted manipulative lies that are out there to try to thwart God's truth, God's plan, God's commands and to pervert the scriptures. And we just want to basically let you know in in these two episodes that apologetics is a practice that's available and open to all. You don't need to be a super Christian to engage in apologetics. Yes, we have to take the time to learn it, to learn about it, to learn what the lies are out there so that we can refute those lies, learn how to look at those lies through a biblical lens and and to be able to defend the scriptures when they're so grossly twisted and perverted by an unbelieving evil world. Thanks for joining Sarah and I for part two of Unapologetically Apologetic. Because there, let's face it, there's two worldviews. There's the Christian and there's the non-Christian. 
Right. There's like, there's us and them. I mean, really, that's the way it is. You know, you don't have a, a Buddhist or a Muslim worldview because they're all forms of non-Christian worldviews. So there's Christian and there's non-Christian worldviews. Well, yeah, if you want, yeah, there's truth and there's... <laughs> truth right? and untruth, too. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's the dividing line for sure is there's a true worldview and then there's everything else is a false worldview. Right. Yes. Some of the worldviews differ slightly, you know, and so they'll claim to have their own worldview. So are we seekers of truth? Then we need to keep digging until we realize that there's only one worldview that can consistently answer the questions, most vexing questions of life. Like you mentioned, who are we? Where do we come from? And where are we going? Why are we here? You know? Right. It's the buck stops with Christianity if you really want to analyze it. And you might not, some people, like my husband has a strong faith. He doesn't really need evidence. He doesn't want evidence. He, mm -hmm. I mean, he doesn't, he just says I'm good because he has a very strong faith. You know, he has a job. He's not spending his days evangelizing. He's hopefully, you know, living in a way and, and servant evangelizing, serving mm -hmm. people. They ask and he'll say, you know, he's a Christian. But for a lot of people today, they are feeling this unrest and this cognitive dissonance that's happening with what they're hearing and what they're seeing with what they've been taught or what they know from scriptures. And for really uh, passionate Christians, we are going to want to be able to stand firm. And the only way we can stand firm is on the solid ground of scripture. And if we don't know it, we can't stand on it. We can't resist the, the tidal wave of culture that's coming to sweep everyone away to drown. You know? and, it, and, so and it is, Sarah, it, it is. I, I'm seeing so many young people, especially in the thing that's really catching a lot of people or that's really attacking the faith is being done through LGBTQ. Yeah. Um, it really is. And this is where I'm seeing the arguments for the faith or, or our scriptures being so maligned and perverted and twisted to suit those beliefs, to suit that agenda. Um, I was talking to a, a young man in high school, and they were talking about Google. And the young man said, well, yeah, who's going to believe Google? I mean, Google believes there's more than two genders. <laughs> and he laughs, and the teacher says, well, there, there is. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, wow. There are several genders. And so I said to the young man, I said, and your response was, he goes, well, what, what can I say? He's the teacher. He knows everything. Yeah. Being sarcastic, of course, he knows the teacher doesn't know everything. Obviously, if he thinks that there's more than two genders, he doesn't know a whole lot. But um, this is the the mindset that's being taught to our children today. Yeah. Do not yeah. question me. We're the teacher. We've been educated. We tell you what to believe, and and here's what to believe. Because you bring that that you bring that up because the center and the foundation of authority has shifted. Mm -hmm. No longer the family that gets their instruction from the church or mm -hmm. scripture, all government, and the marketplace. And so those areas of authority they've existed forever, right? Those have always been the four areas of authority in the Bible in the world at least, and it's supposed to be family-centered, and then the marketplace and the government reflects 
from there. It, it flows out from there, but instead it's flipped on its head now, and the government is saying to the marketplace, and the marketplace is lobbying to the government, and then if together they're creating the laws so that the marketplace can infiltrate the families and the churches. <laughs> and now we are dictated by, uh, I guess I would call it an antichrist spirit about what is and what isn't, mm-hmm. and how the teachers, per the government and per the marketplace, are the authority figures in our children and in our homes and even in the church. When the church is acquiesced to shutting down, yeah, you know, they're taking their orders from the government. Mm-hmm. When the marketplace, such as social media, decides that at a presidential press hearing that they need to cooperate with the government in order to shut down the non-quality is what they called it, messages, which is anything they don't agree with. That is the marketplace and the government conspiring to influence other areas of authority, such as the church and such as the family. It's yes. messing it all up. And we've acquiesced to this when we give in to the overextension of the jurisdiction of these authorities into our jurisdiction. And so we need to see it that way that they're, they, they're supposed to stay in their lane. And this is the authority that the Bible has given, that God has given over the rest of the world and the other areas of authority. And we have tipped the scales now so that we have really given away or acquiesced our authority as parents. And so, like you said, the teachers are able to influence without any pushback from the parents, yeah. without any pushback from the church. In fact, they're going along. My daughter went in a different church in a different town than we lived in. She came out crying one day from youth group because they were talking about premarital sex and because they didn't want to rock the boat of the world messages. They said it's okay because there's, forgiveness now that is true that is true if you know for all of us myself very much included when you sin there is forgiveness there is grace by god we should not feel condemned that is of the enemy when we repent this he does not remember our sins as far as the east is from the west Mm -hmm. but the message that she got she stood up and she said oh no it's wrong we shouldn't do it she said because i taught her that at home right and that goes for any so i so wait a second i may i want to make sure i'm hearing this correct what I'm hearing, I'm taking it as though you're saying that she was basically told that you can go ahead and have it because if you go to God for forgiveness, he'll forgive you? Yes. Isn't that what's called the presumptuous sin? And isn't that something that King David prayed for God to please hold him back from? Yes. It's, That's it's a dangerous. <laughs> enemy that our freedom in Christ gives us a license to sin. No, it doesn't. Right? All, and she was the only one who spoke up and she was so proud to speak up and say, no, no, that's wrong. You're not supposed to do that. And the teacher in front of everyone came back or the, the leader and and corrected her. And she was so mortified because one, I had lied to her then, right? Because <laughs> no, what I had said is not true. What the Bible says and what I've read to her is not true. And the teacher, the authority, even in the church is saying the opposite. And she was shamed in front of her peers, right? Who wanted their tickling ears. They wanted to hear that it was okay because that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to satisfy their flesh and I, I of course I contacted in a very gentle way and explained why you know my 
you know, what, what had happened. I actually, I just asked an open-ended question. Is this what you intended to the head of the youth department? Mm-hmm. And they were like, uh, well, we just want to make sure that the kids know that there's grace when they mess up. And there is, of course, yes. but got to let them know that up front, it's wrong. When you engage in it, you are in fact sinning against God and against your own body and against the other person, really. Yes against yep. each other when you engage in premarital sex. If these children are not taught that mm-hmm. it's wrong to begin with, and while, you know, the forgiveness comes for sure, but it's not a license, but it, that, that message can get crossed mm-hmm. when it's presented that way. And she was mortified. And so I think that everything that they were getting, for the most part, was from what that group leader, that youth group leader was sharing with them. That's very sad, Sarah. Right. The the church just it's not in a good state because we just talked about you know apologetics. I've never known that to be taught in church. Uh, we're at a new church now that right. is much different, but apologetics, the subjects of abortion and um, marriage and sexuality, whether it's heterosexual sin, homosexual sin, wasn't really being directly discussed at all from the pulpit or prophecy, um, any of these things from the pulpit. And finally, it was like, especially when the pandemic hit and, and you just see everything, prophecy just, whoo, yeah. and it was like, you know, come on, church, come on, you know, nothing, 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 nothing. It was like, that's it, we're done. And so we found a church that, thank God, does address these things. But um, between the church and the homes, we've we've just so dropped the ball I don't know if I was telling you in one of our conversations about this young man who started a new church and he works on the worship team. And he said, oh, yes, they're very strict about who works on the worship team. They're very professional about it. And we talked about the message or whatever. I was talking about sermons or something. He said, well, their their sermons are a little light. They don't go too deep. And I was like, "Eh, red flag, red flag, (laughs) you know. Putting such focus in how the worship team it sounds to me, that's where most of their priority is. You know, we have to sound professional right. and lighthearted sermons. And I, I said, what? And he said, well, you know, we want to get people in. And so they'll go into deeper stuff in a life group or a small group or something like that. And I was like, are you kidding me? Why are the deeper, more difficult truths of the Bible extracurricular? How many people take the time to join a small group or a life group? Not a whole lot. They barely make it to church nowadays. That's what you would call being ashamed of the gospel. Not just openly from the pulpit teaching the truths of God's word. Like, wow. I found that very disturbing. But I think that describes a lot of our churches nowadays. So we left our command post at home. And the churches, yeah. and you know, the church in the home works hand in hand, right? They're, su- like the- they're supposed to. That's right. And then uh, which one? It's almost like a scale, those scales of justice, you know. And you've got the church in the home on one side. You've got the marketplace and the government on the other side. And the, mar- and the government includes schools, right, because they run the schools. So yep. you see that which side is going to tip in the area of authority, you know. And mm-hmm. it's supposed to be. With the family and the church of uh, faith, you know, it used to be the temple, and now it is the government and the marketplace. And we see how the marketplace and it, it, they infiltrates our perception of reality through all the media, sure. right? And so when the government is behind that and they have an agenda 
and then they're able to influence the church through their laws and then the media through their advertising and mm-hmm. their other modes of infiltrating our lives through media and social media and everything else and TikTok. I mean, this is all part of their agenda, right? And I'm, I'm talking when I say there, I mean, anything that's anti-church, anti-Christ. So they don't even probably realize what they're doing, but it is serving to further the agenda of the enemy rather than of Jesus. And we are acquiescing and apologetics helps us stand our ground in a very gentle and respectful way to our opponents or adversaries, those who do not share our Christian worldview. And you asked the question, how does apologetics benefit the Christian and the non-Christian? Well, it benefits the Christian, not just the non-Christian, because it helps fortify our faith. It helps us understand, no, there is a reason, because it's not uncommon, and it's okay for Christians to have doubts. It's when the doubts turn into unbelief, right? Right. God, Jesus works with doubt all the time in the Bible. Yes. John the Baptist had a doubt when he was in prison. He's like, are you really the guy who had come to save us from our mm-hmm. sins, our enemies? And Jesus had to use apologetics and give him evidence prophetically, prophetic evidence that proves that Jesus is the Messiah that was prophesied, and to comfort and to assure John the Baptist, who was the greatest, right, of all men. It started back in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say, and it's still that way, did God really say, and we have them, like you said, the schools, the media, whether it's through smartphones, the movies, the songs, um, out on the streets, right. <laughs> social media, the message is anti-God. And these kids are just soaking it up. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. Like, you can't escape from it. You can't turn on your television now and not see perversion mm-hmm. and not hear perversion. It, it's mm-hmm. everywhere. And again, if we don't know why we're believing what we believe, what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, and and one of the other things of this time in history is the proliferation of messaging and ideology through the unique information world that we're in and the dissemination of information so quickly, you know, and the Bible talks about this, that in the last days, the information will go super quick. Mm -hmm. And And it is. And it is. It is. This is a detriment and a blessing. But if we do not stand and know why we believe what we believe, then all the messaging that is against the truths of the Bible will usurp, I guess, and it'll take over our minds. And it will frame our perception of reality in a way that is not beholden to the truths of the Bible. And so the vast array of media messaging from, like you said, all of it, TV, billboards are the old fashioned way, but now we have you, they're right in the bedrooms with your children. You wouldn't Mm. let an enemy or a pedophile or someone a murderer in the bedroom with your children, but our phones are bringing all of that <laughs> into their bedrooms unsupervised, right? And so imagine what messaging they're getting that we aren't even privy to. Yeah. And it is intentional yeah. to shift them away from faith in Christ because as time runs out, 
the enemy is getting more and more agitated. He realizes he has less and less time and he's trying even harder. It's the ways that... And it's not subtle anymore, right? It used to be subtle. There's no more subtlety anymore because he's pulling out all the stops because he is desperate. Time is short. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and you say you talk about apologetics with our perception of reality. Mm-hmm. And look how so much of the world is not really living in reality anymore, Sarah. When you, when you can construct all these genders yeah. and, a, you know, someone thinks a man can be a woman and vice versa, that's yeah. not reality. No. We've lost touch with reality in so many mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And it's it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Um, and it really is breaking the hearts of those who conform to these lies and and change their lifestyles and change their bodies because there's some hope provided or promised in this and there is no hope in that it only seeks to condemn i i say that the enemy will condemn us for the very sin he tempts us into mm-hmm. right it, it's a it's like a one-two punch it's like yeah. okay i'm empty to the sin now i'm going to condemn you for that sin it's terrible and these poor children who are being tempted into the sin and being validated and convinced that it's good and that it's going to solve their problems are now by the same enemy who's told them that or used people to tell them that is condemning them and they're committing suicide by alarming rates. There's a lot of disillusionment and discouragement and depression out there now. They're not getting the answers that they seek. Well, because they're being affirmed, Sarah. And when you affirm someone in their sin and in in their wrong choices like that, you've taken away their hope. Yeah. There is no hope for recovering, for for knowing the truth and seeing the truth. That's not going to help anyone to just affirm them in, in all of their issues and their problems and their sin. Right. I mean, that's crazy, but that's what they're doing, you know, with everything is upside down and it's it's very backwards, but for a time such as this, right? That yes. is the point. It's it's not a dirty word. No, it it's not. No, it's not. Ministries who who stay away from it because they have a misunderstanding of what it is. Mm-hmm. It is biblically based. It is relevant and it is essential for truth um dissemination, I guess maybe is too big of a word. It just helps everybody stand firm and like you said at the beginning, reduces the frustration from not knowing why you believe what you believe and not being able to answer in this culture that is saying that you're crazy for believing that or you're not (laughs) smart for believing that. No, no, quite the opposite. Yes. And we're commanded to, we're commanded to engage, to reason, to contend. That all encompasses apologetics. So yes, um, resources. What do you suggest for resources, Sarah, for someone who really wants to learn how to contend, how to articulate what they believe to refute the lies with the truth? You know, I really, really like Douglas Gruthius, uh, his book called Christian Apologetics, A Comprehensive Case for Biblical Faith. Okay. Uh, I really like that book. I think it it really breaks it down. I also uh, think that the Bible. Start mm, good old Bible. Bible. Yes, yes. Yep. Look for situations where the heroes of faith are defending 
what they believe, Mm -hmm. when they're explaining to others why they believe what they believe. It might be from their own personal testimony, like Paul, he was talking about how his experience on the road to Damascus, Mm -hmm. right? And some of these situations and how it's illogical to think that someone who persecuted Christians would all of a sudden be the one called to take the message of Christianity to the Gentiles. It didn't make sense logically. That doesn't happen unless it's true. And he had an encounter and an experience that convinced him it was true, right? That's apologetics, and that's what he was trying to convey, overcome those obstacles. And so I think the Bible is the number one place, but it, it sometimes it's hard to find those. So you do need other sources, right? I think a lot of people do go for a case for Christ. And I years old, but it based on a personal testimony too of someone who, like Paul, was a persecutor of Christianity and something changed. It was the evidence that he found. Mm-hmm. And so these are the things that we want to start with. Exactly. And I like I said I took a, a free course from SES Academy online. There's Summit Ministries. um, And actually the book that we, another great book is I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. That's a good one. Great apologetics resource by uh, Norm Geisler and Frank Turek, I think. Um, But anyway, yeah, that was actually the book that we had to read along with the course. But there's so many resources out there, but I'll get them all together and compile them for our listeners. That's great. Anything else you want to add before we conclude? Oh, I think that if you feel frustrated today in the world, you feel frustrated and maybe even doubting your faith, maybe you want to acquiesce because it's easier to go along to get along. I would encourage you that if you've stumbled upon this or you purposely tuned into this conversation because you're curious about what apologetics is or how it could be of use to you, God is calling you and reassuring you that having evidence and reason and knowing why you believe what you believe is a good thing. It is not to be shunned. If you feel like your faith is wavering and you need some evidence, it's there. And God wants us to use it if we need it. And so while faith is enough, sometimes we do need, and in this world where everything's flying at us saying that what we believe is false, we do need that solid ground of the Bible and its evidences and creation and its evidences to point us to the one true God. And it's okay. And, and you should, it's important. And, and he needs you right now. He needs thinkers right now because the world is very cerebral. It's very, uh, intellectual right now. And so he needs thinkers and you don't have to be brilliant. You just mm-hmm. have to know the Bible and to be able to articulate it according to the circumstances presented. Yes. And the Holy spirit, right. I'm just thinking, yes. this. we all have the same Holy spirit within us. The Holy spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the same Holy spirit that Paul had, some of the greatest apologists and theologians have, we all have that same Holy spirit within us. Let's ask him, pray to him to please, please help us to absorb this, to learn it, um, to have a desire for it, right? Because I'm thinking too, there's parents and there's grandparents. Your children need you. Yeah. They need to know, say it again, not just what they believe, but why they are in amongst the wolves, especially if your kids are in a public school setting or going to college. There are ravenous wolves there that their purpose really in, intent is to um, 
cut the cord from what they've learned at home and in church and to completely yep. indoctrinate them in a, to a whole new way of thinking. And it's an ungodly way of thinking. But they need you, mom, dad, grandparents, whoever, aunt, uncle, teacher, Sunday school teacher, youth leader. They need you to help them to engage with a wicked culture mm-hmm. that is totally against God. They need to be able to articulate, and not just to others, but within themselves, Yeah. why they believe what they believe. Yes. They need you. So if not for yourself, of course, it's always going to help you, but for others around you, those you love, please start digging into it. It's fruitful. Apologetics is a fruitful endeavor. It really is. And I talk about, I think it really ignites your flame even more. It fuels you to 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 just go forth and and speak forth, um, to yes. become involved. It does. There's no doubt because you're equipped, I guess, right? And when you're equipped, you're empowered. Yeah, and just kind of you know naturally follows suit. So, Sarah, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for coming on and chit chatting with me about this whole thing. Um, where can people connect with you? Why don't we talk about that real quick? I have a website, sarahbroyhillanderson.com, and then I have Instagram. I, I started a ministry called Fruits of Faith Ministries, and so that also has a website and it's on Facebook and Instagram, and Sarah Broyhill Anderson is on Instagram as well. So that's where you can find me. I'm a well communicator, and I'm also the director of Christian Worldview at God Girl Nation, so you can find me in those places as well. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Follow Sarah, please. Um, I love her heart. I love her spirit for the things of God. Well, what, where can they find you? And, little... Well, yeah. I'm I'm not quite as out there as you are. Obviously, I have my podcast here, but I just post a, about the podcast on Instagram at One Little Candle Podcast. I do have a Facebook group, which shame on me. I have not really... Um, haven't had the opportunities to get on there and maintain it, but I set up, it's called Candles Together on Facebook, and I set it up for people to get on there and talk about the podcast episodes um, for prayer, for for anything that they wanted to to communicate or talk about or get a conversation going. But again, I haven't really done a whole lot to try to get people to invite a whole lot of people or get right. people get people to engage. So, one little candle podcast.com, that's my website. And actually Sarah, I have you on there as one of my keepers of the flame. Oh. I call them um any of my podcast guests that I've had. There's all that information on my website as well how to reach Sarah. Oh good. Too. So, um again, Sarah, thank you so much and you will be coming back. Um I think you and I are getting together in a couple weeks again to talk about eschatology. Yes. which is the study of prophecy because as we yeah. we call it right eschatology one of satan's best kept secrets yes. um something the church again seems to be lacking in is a study of our current events in relation to biblical prophecy because i think you're going to be a sleeping christian if you're not paying attention to me if, if you're engaged with prophecy and what's going on and i don't mean these crazy date setters and stuff that are out yeah. there no 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 but um, biblical prophecy connected with the current events, you're going to have a sense of urgency. And that's what we need to have right now. And I'm not seeing that in a lot of ways, but there is a sense of urgency. Yeah. God, 
the two things he's equipped me with are apologetics and eschatology. Yep. Right. And yep. those are probably the two most um, just I wouldn't I don't know if they're discounted, but kind of ostracized or marginalized areas within the church. And I'm thinking, why are you why are you putting me into these areas? But <laughs> I tell you, and you know it too. You're the same way. He's called yeah. you to these areas as well. It is unbelievable the deception that's happening in both of those yeah. disciplines. Yes. Within the church. Yes. And like marginalizing of them, which only serves to further the enemy's goal of keeping us asleep until he can snatch us. Right. And mm-hmm. I just, there's so many signs out there. A topic for another day. So I can't wait to discuss that. Yeah. So that's coming up. You're going to co host with me again. And I'm really looking forward to it. So, Sarah, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on, sharing your love for apologetics and your wisdom and your knowledge with us. You are a blessing. You are a blessing, Rebecca. Thank you for doing this podcast, something I do not do. So I love being your guest and co-host whenever you want me to. It has been a blessing to know you. And we did connect, you know, because of our hearts and yeah. our our calling, right, to hopefully lift the veil even a little bit in any way that God would have us, right? Absolutely. Thank you, Sarah, so much. Thank you, Rebecca. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care and God bless. God bless. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I really hope, too, that it encourages you and just compels you to learn all you can about apologetics. Learn all you can about contending for the faith. Learn all you can about the lies that are out there that are just devouring people and sending souls straight to hell. The enemy is crafty. We need to learn to be craftier than the enemy. So be that one little candle this week, okay? Check out some of the resources that Sarah and I mentioned. Again, they'll be posted on my website. And you can find all of Sarah's contact information on my website, onelittlecandlepodcast.com. Let your flame burn bright. Let it burn bright with the light of truth. Dispel the darkness dispel the lies. We all have the same Holy Spirit within us, right? We don't need to be some brilliant biblical scholar to know the truth and to know how to refute the craftily concocted lies that Satan fills people with. God's equipped us with the Holy Spirit, but we've got to do our part. We've got to study. We've got to learn. Arm yourself, fellow believers. We need to be armed. We are in a spiritual battle, an all-out war. And as my friend Sarah said, the enemy's very agitated right now. He knows time is short, and he is pulling out all the stops. Be that one little candle, starting in your own household, your own family, your church, your community, wherever God leads you. Until next week, you take care, and God bless.